Quick throw left side. Has the first down and more up the sideline. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Houston. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris and the general tonight, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. I am in the Sports Radio 610 studios. The guys are ready to rock here, and let's go. We'll talk about Jonathan Joseph in just a few moments. But, General, let's start here. I want to know if you are part of the quickly assembled media tribunal condemning the Texans into eternity for the atrocity of canceling a couple of practices when they've practiced probably as much as, if not more than any team in the league. Tell me. Well, well, there's two things that are among the dumbest I've ever heard. (laughs) First of all, David Culley uh, put it out perfectly. After phase one, which was conditioning, you had four weeks of two phases when you were on the field with the coaches. The union was telling players, stay away. So you could have had those four weeks with phase two and three with on-field coaching with some players, and then you could have had all of them but one for three days at a minicamp, or, as Cully wanted, having almost all the players there for eight weeks and canceling three days. Um, so to me, it's a no-brainer. The other dumbest thing I've heard, and I've been asked about it, all day on talk shows. Did the Texans cancel the mini camp to keep from finding Deshaun Watson? That may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because number one, they didn't have to find him. There's no rule that says you find him. If Watson came, if Watson wasn't there, as he wasn't going to be, they didn't have to find him. So why would they do that? That's people don't know the rules. Number two, would they have found him? Of course they would have found him. You know, he's, he's not there. You know, they're not trying to sweet-talk him like the Packers are with Aaron Rodgers. They know Watson's not coming back. Watson has told him since the season ended. He wants out in the worst way, and he'll do whatever he can to get out. So to even think that they canceled the minicamp to keep from finding is someone who is clueless about the rules. Well, you know how I feel, Mark. Yeah, we've been hearing cuts from you all day, Johnny. Oh, really? Last night's show. <laughs> and I've, I've had a lot of people ask me on talk shows because they didn't pay any attention to what Cully said. And when I explained it to them, I wanted to say read my column. It's all explained there, but I couldn't do it because it's all in other cities. And I explained it and they go, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, well, I don't know how a coach who's new with 50 new players including 42 veterans with a new defensive system and new quarterbacks wouldn't need those other three practices. And I said, well, it's simple. And I put it on them. What would you do? Would you take a lot of players for four weeks that you could coach them on the field? Or would you take a few players for four weeks and all but one for three days. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's no brainer, and everybody everybody realized it's so well put by you, General. It's about quality and quantity, and they had the most quantity and most quality that they could muster with this arrangement that they made. And I think I, I want to straighten something out for those sitting audience because a lot of people hear minicamp and they think, "Oh my gosh, minicamp! Minicamp is exactly the same as what they've been doing. There's never any difference between minicamp." and an OTA practice. There's no difference other than it's mandatory. That's it. It's not like they can put the pads on or do different things. It's the same thing. And here's another thing. The teams that are having minicamp this week, 
They have the same number of practices as anybody who's just done the OTAs up till this point and had minicamp scheduled for next week. It's the same thing. If you have minicamp this week, it's the same thing as an OTA. They're calling it quits now, too. Not that we're like everybody else and whatever. You're coming off 4-12 and 12 and you want to be good, but you spelled it out very well, General. Well, let me spell it out another way. Somebody mm-hmm. asked me, well, the Buccaneers are having a minicamp. I said, well, of course they're having a mini camp because their players didn't show up for the offseason program. They followed the lead of the union and Tom Brady, and they worked out on their own with Brady. So, of course, they're going to show up when it's mandatory so they can show Bruce Arians, hey, here's what we've been doing. And so that's a no-brainer as well. So I don't know why everybody would get upset something. You're just saying, would you rather have almost everybody for four weeks or would you like to have all but one for three days? That's what it boiled down to. And Bill O'Brien, you know, he never made him stay for that third day of the minicamp. Right. It was the first two. Cully mentioned two and a half days because O'Brien wanted to reward him. But you're right. It's no different. The whole offseason program is patty cake football. It's all about the mental, not the physical. And before Johnny says something, John McClain, I think that it's worth noting, I believe that there's less done this year than – previous years as well. I mean, previous non-COVID years. It just seems that way around the league that they've throttled it back even more in order to convince the players to come in and do whatever they need them to do. Today's players better be glad they're playing today. (laughs) Yeah, good point. I used to say, excuse me, John, I remember in 1993, Buddy Ryan was our defensive coordinator for the Oilers, and they would practice in in, uh, shorts, t-shirts and helmets and he would make them hit each other and they would get in fist fights in practice and we'd be sitting there watching the players go at it it was quite entertaining mma before there was mma and i'd watch veteran players going in the locker room with blood pouring out of their nose and mouth and the coaches loved it and today is was it bobby king it said they're out there in their nightgowns yeah. and uh, because that's a good way to put what the yeah. off-season program is. Times have changed. Players have changed. The union has more muscle than it used to. And so what the players want is what you do most of the time. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, had the union spent as much time on TPA, spent a off-season program that General's dropping out a bit. Go ahead, Johnny. Well, I think the one well, – the, <laughs> I, I felt like I was in this all morning, and I was just like, man, like uh, – I mean, as Alan Iris said, we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. Mm-hmm. And not only talking about practice, we're talking about spring practice, where, as the general said, it is. It's patty cake. But to your point, Mark, um, a couple of things. Number one – for those people that want to sit there and go, the Texans, uh, the Texans decided this. Yeah, along with 31 of their teams, all 32 teams sat down, knew what the NFL PA was saying was was not mandating to the players, but was suggesting to the players and suggesting strongly. They sat down and said, "Okay, let's try and work this out." The Colts had two weeks of OTAs in berets and socks. Like I don't even think they put cleats on berets. when they went out for a couple weeks. <laughs> so like. Honestly, like what well, I mean, and the Colts are oh oh, but the Colts are a team with yeah, they're breaking in a new quarterback who needs every ounce of time seemingly to get right for the 2021 season. So, you know, I just I, the the frustration I had was this was a suspect move. This was done. It had Deshaun in mind, um, 
And then basically what I kind of came around on, not even came around on, but you try and narrow things down. It's like, well, Texas were four and 12. They should be out there every single moment of the day, basically. I'm like, hold up, hold up. There comes a point of diminishing returns. You're not going to turn a particular play. You're not going to turn uh, Big Z into DJ Reader because he has two days uh, of a mini camp. Wait, you know? already got a lot out of him this spring. You've already got a ton out yeah. of him. Two more days um, is not is not going to turn a guy well, from a, a middling starter to an all pro. The, the general said it, not to single him out, but you might not get some of these guys early on if you didn't have this carrot at the Abs- end. And absolutely. that's how they handled it. And absolutely. I, I think it's and here's the other easy thing, Mark. Here's the other thing. And, and this goes to General's point. You brought the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers had basically split practice. Yeah. So the only time that they had. The majority of the team altogether was at their minicamp. That's it. The Texans had the majority of their team together for three weeks. Which one you want? Which one you want? Oh, but the Bucks are the champs. Oh, okay. Is that the, is that the delineation now? Because if you win a title, okay, well, you can do certain things because you won that title versus, well, you're 4-12, and 12, so you have to do them at a whole completely different rate. What do you think the whole offseason has been for this team? It's been done. Everything's been done different. They're recharging everything. Yeah. So at that point, they rewarded them for being the stewards they were throughout that time, getting good work done in the OTAs. It was agreed upon by the team and the players. They were cool with it, and 31 other teams came up with what they thought they should do for their particular situation as well. And all 32 teams have a different situation. And so the Texans decided this was the best for them. They got great work done, and now it's on a training camp. And I know I am done talking about this nonsense. It's so stupid to me that we're getting fired up over two freaking minicamp practices. I, I mean, have, we, have, have people out there never got, hey, I'm going to give you Friday off. You go turn around and go, no, no, you know what? We only met our sales quota by $10,000 last month. I'm going to stay here on a Friday until 7 o'clock at night and make sure I get it done. I think it's even different. I don't even know if that, that works. But, all right, so let's move on. You're right, Johnny. Let's, we need to move on, and let's talk about J. Joe for a moment because he called it quits today, John McClain, and he's played more games than any defensive player in the history of the franchise. I think it says a lot that when he got here, and I know a lot of things changed when he got here because you got Wade Phillips and drafted J.J. and you had a good defense developing. But he was here for all of it. Those nine years, six division titles, four playoff wins. The culture changed. Three top three finishes on defense. Your thoughts on J.J. hanging up the cleats? I've never met a classier guy than Jonathan Joseph. When Rick Smith was here and then when Bill O'Brien was in charge, they wanted him after his career's over to come back and work either as a coach, front office, any role he wanted. And um, uh, I think there was a good chance he would have done that. And I'll never forget, Rick Smith was trying to sign Nambi Asamoah, the corner from the Raiders, who was considered one of the best in the league. And he was in uh, almost to the end. And um, I believe Jay Joe's agent was Jason Chad. He said, look, if you're, if you're going to continue to pursue Asamoa, we're going somewhere else. And Rick made a decision, turned out to be one of the best in franchise history. He dropped his pursuit of Asamoa and he signed Jonathan Joseph and he took the extra money that, uh, that he had saved uh, on the difference in the contracts and put it toward Daniel Manning, the safety. And those guys came in, and you mentioned J.J. and Wade. Connor Barwin came back from an injury, and they went from one of the worst defenses, 30th against the pass, I believe, to 
what was it, top three or four in Wade's first year, and they won their first title, first playoff game. And I think that Jonathan Joseph should be the next player to go up in the ring of honor, mm. uh, along with Bob McNair and Andre Johnson, because I think he's very deserving. He was a great player for a long time. He was a team leader. Media loved him and respected him. That's the kind of guy you want his name up in the lights. It's interesting. We did Texas 360 today, and as we were recording, we were setting up for one of our film rooms. And I don't know if our guys got tipped off. I don't know if Mark told us something. I don't know if we knew anything. I was, I don't want to say shocked by the news today, but I saw it and was like, whoa. I didn't know it was coming. But Saturday night on Texas 360, we break down, I break down, the the pick six that Jonathan Joseph had against the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if that was just happenstance, if it just worked out that way, but it's a nice coincidence. But along those lines, John, you've been covering Houston professional football since back in the 70s. Where would you put J. Joe as it pertains to secondary player safeties, corners? I know guys sometimes play both, you know, depending on where they play. But between others and Texans, where would you rank J. Joe amongst the secondary guys that have played in this city? He's one of the best. Uh, he came in, he played. It's hard to believe. Every time I used to look at him, and he's, he wasn't small, but I was amazed at the, the durability. But 15 years in the NFL, they listed Jonathan at six foot. I went back and looked at the combine. He is 5'11", his measurements there. But the fact he was able to play uh, 15 years in the NFL is just incredible said so much about his preparation, his training, his luck, of course. And uh, all the while, he was good. And he got that last year in with the Cardinals. And I'm guessing, I know he kept his house here, so I'm guessing he'll come back to Houston and then wait to see what the next part of his career will be. And and I tweeted today, if I'm NFL teams, I'm lining up to get him in my organization because I've never known anybody who was more respected by the players, I'm not saying he was the most respected, but I've never known anybody more respected because of the way he handled situations, the way he treated people, the example he set. And it didn't matter if you were winning or losing. You know, he always was on that even kill. And uh, looking back, Rick Smith's decision was the best free agent signing in Texans history. Wow. Yeah, it certainly was, General. And when you look at the games played for defenders, I really thought, well, Whitney might have more. No. Kareem. Oh, Kareem was drafted in 2010. What about Cushing? No, no, no. Not what? Because of the injuries. It's Jonathan Joseph, the most games played for any defender in the history of the franchise. So we'll see what happens in his post-playing career. Uh, and while we're talking secondary, and let's just talk defense in general here, General, how did you feel about some of the things you saw? I know we really weren't able to see much during OTAs, but now that this section of the offseason is over and we're headed toward camp, what are some of your expectations about what they could possibly do with the personnel they have on defense going in? All the changes are going to be in the front seven. I mean, we know Bradley Roby's going to be a starter at corner. Uh, Vernon Argrave started 16 games last year. They got a lot of new corners. I'm guessing that that we could, we know Justin Reed's going to start at safety. Safety has undergone the least amount of turnover because you have Eric Murray, the other starter, Lonnie Johnson, started five games, got A.J. Moore back. They added Terrence Brooks. 
And I think Nick Casario will continue to turn this roster. He'll make some more additions by the time they get to camp. I think while camp's going and players get cut, he will be constantly bringing them through that revolving door into the regular season as they try to fit all the pieces into the puzzle. And I'm, I'm looking at quarterbacks, of course. We always look at the quarterbacks, uh, the, the new receivers, see who's going to play opposite, um, opposite Brandon Cooks. Can Randall Cobb come back from his injury and play in the slot? The development of Nico Collins and the running game to me, they have the backs. They know who they're going to be. Rex Burkhead is behind because he's coming off knee surgery, but it's pretty obvious. Casario wanted him in here because of the kind of guy he is, where he came from, what he accomplished in a role in New England. But I'm guessing he's great in the locker room, great on the practice field, the kind of guy you want around other players. And that seems to be what they have with all those running backs. We interviewed Philip Lindsay for the first time, and I thought he was terrific with a 17-game season with a renewed emphasis on the running game, uh, which I'm writing about for Sunday. They ran the ball less than any time in their history last year for the second fewest yards in history. Tim Kelly's going to have to call more running plays. Well, a lot of those runs were by Deshaun Watson that weren't designed. So this is going to be a run-heavy team because Cully comes from Baltimore, Casario from New England, where both those teams like to run the ball. It's just a matter of who'll get the most carries. I bet no player on this team averages 15 carries a game. So that is set. Not who starts, but who the top guys are. And then what I'm interested about the interior line, we know Justin Brett is going to start. I talked to a friend of mine who's been in the Seahawks front office for years. He said if Brett's healthy, they're going to love him there. Great guy, team leader, tough, likes to beat people up. He's on a mission because he was unable to play last year coming off the knee. Well, who are the guards going to be? We asked James Campen about the competition at right tackle between Titus Howard and Marcus Cannon. And I think if Marcus Cannon wins that job, it's a good chance Titus could go to guard where they put him in his first training camp as a number one pick because you want your five best guys on the field. And you know Titus is going to be one. But offensive linemen love to fire off the ball. Last year, they spent most of their time retreating in pass coverage, and that mentality, that mindset of running first is something they're trying to instill here, and I think that they may run the ball uh, almost as much as they throw it. Colts did that in 2018. Andrew Luck was throwing it a ton, and finally they went, you know, Frank, you know, Chris Ballard went to Frank Reich and said, run the ball. Let those young dudes fire off and hit somebody, and that it changed everything for them as far as just the entire mentality of the team. It became focused on the offensive line. It generally sort of stole my thunder. If you had to predict right now what that five would be up front, because listening to James Campen, and we had a great interview with him, but listening to him later on, he made a comment about Marcus Cannon and right tackle, and I don't see him moving off right tackle. So I thought, well, wait a second. How does that mean those five then come together? How do you think the five is going to be? all things considered, everybody being healthy. But how do you think that five is going to come together? Well, Cannon's not going to play guard. He played guard briefly with the Patriots, and he was not good. And they moved him to tackle. Either he's going to be the swing tackle or he's going to be the starter. And a guy to keep an eye on is Lane Taylor. He's 31, nine-year veteran. He was ticketed to start in uh, Green Bay. 
and he when James Campen was the coach. And like so many players that Casario has signed, they were they were productive and then they got hurt. They're coming off injuries. And like Justin Britt, like Philip Lindsay, and there are others. And those guys are healthy now. Not all of them like Rex Burkhead, but uh, I would imagine we know Brett will be the center. I'm going to predict Cannon wins the right tackle guard position and Titus Howard moves to guard and that the other guard, if not Max Sharpie. And Max really going to have to improve over last year. But the fact is they have depth. They had competition. The line this time last year, we were not worried about the offensive line at all. It seems so hard to believe that just two seasons ago, they breached the second round of the playoffs. That seems to me like five years ago. But Max Sharping played well as a rookie this time last year. We were not worried about the line. It played really well in 2019. Then like so many players in positions, they took a big step back last year. But I'm really eager to see what James Campin can do as a And Casario is amazing. I believe Let's see. Written down, they have sixteen on this team, and nine of them are new. And I'll say something else about this time of the season: the coaches don't have a clue who the starters are going to be. They haven't seen these guys hit. They didn't. They haven't seen a running back break a tackle, break to the outside. They haven't seen them pull. They haven't seen people blow them off the line. And they're not really going to until they get to the three preseason games. Yeah. Well, you're smarter than any coach, General, so that's why I asked you. Uh, well, that's uh, now, I wish. I think right years. now, if we if we had to pick starters that we know are going to be starters, there's not many. Terod Taylor, yeah. yes. Brandon Cooks, yes. Laramie Tunsil, yes. Three weeks ago, I would have said Titus Howard. But now because of Marcus Cannon, I'm not sure at tackle. Justin Britt, yes. Defensive line, I'm guessing because Shaq Lawson was acquired in a trade, he'll start. But they've brought in so many new guys, we don't know. Yeah. Zach Cunningham, yes. Roby, yes. And Reed, yes. That's only three for sure mm-hmm. on defense and four on offense. Only seven guys, I can safely say, will start barring injury. Yeah, I think you could name a bunch of guys who are 60, 40, 70, 30 likely to start, but you're right. To come up with virtual certainties is pretty difficult with this team. General, before we let you go, in between last time we had you on and this time, we have Julio Jones joining the Tennessee Titans. What about that? They averaged 31 points a game last year without Julio Jones. And I don't think Jones will be there long because A.J. Brown's going to need a new contract, and I don't think anybody's going to pay two wide receivers kind of money that Jones makes and may want if he plays well this season. And Brown is certainly going to get it. I think it helps Ryan Tannehill, of course, but it also should help Derrick Henry. In a 17-game season, he doesn't need to be carrying the ball as much as he does over the first part of the season, get him ready for the stretch drive. Their offense is going to be prolific maybe the best in the league along with Kansas City, and their defense is going to give up a lot of points, and I think this puts them right behind the Chiefs as leaders, contenders for the Super Bowl. All right, General, what do you have going on in the Houston Chronicle? I've got that Sunday column on the renewed emphasis on the the running game. We've got a new podcast up, and uh, even though the Texans are done, just like you guys, 
Texas Sports Nation and Chronicle. We'll keep churning out the stories. Thank you guys very much, Mark, John. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Always a pleasure, General. All right, so Julio had 99 catches two years ago, full season 2019. Is he going to be happy with the volume of receptions he gets in 2021? We will discuss that when we go around the league. But also next, Johnny and I will talk a little bit about the college football playoff idea. Is that suitable? And more on your Texans as they break OTAs and get ready for training camp. That starts in late July. It's Texans Radio. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. From annual checkups to managing chronic conditions, taking care of your health should always be a priority. At Houston Methodist, our primary care doctors are available to provide personalized care for you and your family safely. We offer a variety of convenient ways to get care from us, from same-day sick visits to extended hours at select locations. And we are taking every precaution to keep you safe during your visit. Choose your doctor or schedule online at HoustonMethodist.org slash stay healthy. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. It's like Netflix, but free. Go to HoustonTexans.com and click listen for every episode of our Texans radio shows. You can do that. You can do that anytime. In fact, just scroll the app. They're all there. You know, the previous night's show. In fact, we get it up there on the app very quickly after the show is over. So you can listen to it again and listen to Johnny's rants. It's going to become a new thing. Listen, Johnny, I was the one with rants, okay? I think, you know, you had rants back in the day, but on Texans Radio, not many rants. I've had the rants. Yeah. But but now you're joining the rant club and I like uh, it. I like it. Nah, I I I didn't I didn't mean to. I just was I was fired up and yeah, it's okay. It's good. You know, I I just you know, I just got fired up and then of course it, it got on you know, it was on Twitter this morning and it's like, you know, trying to do something on Twitter is It's awful. It's it's you just can't you can't do that in two hundred and eighty characters because you start going down one path and Oh, are you saying this? And it's like, man, okay, I didn't finish. Right. Here's what I need to say. And so, anyways, it, it's it's tough. But I, you know, look, you can't have look. nuance on Twitter. That yeah, is the it's, big problem. Definitely, it's definitely not. And I think, I think my point, a lot, a lot of points to be made. But one of them is, you know, and and this is why, and the general was sort of breaking up. I was going to ask him this question at some point, but I asked him. I know this at least two or maybe three times, Mark, when we would get together. Mm-hmm. As we was we headed into the off season, and I would ask him, General, what do you think the off season is going to be like in the future? Because I saw what was I saw what was going on, and that was you know the NFLPA saying, "Hey, we don't know about this." And and look, I understand there's still COVID lingering out there, so I know that's a that's a factor in all that. Like I understand all that, I get all that. I understand the players saying, "Look, if we can do things virtual, let's do them virtual." But I could also see that. I don't think the teams want to do that. So there's going to have to be some sort of negotiation in some way, shape, or form. How do we see this this going? I asked him that two or three times for that particular reason. But I think it was the what I took out of you know reading comments on Twitter, what I had heard from people, and what I saw, read, whatever, was just that, that oh, this is the Texans' decision. This is the Texans' decision. It's like, no, every team in the league – 
had to sit down with their players, their leaders, and, and come out. to a conclusion on what they were going to do and yep. how they were going to do it and what best served that particular team at that particular time. So I, I just that that I think is what is what bothered me. And I think the other part of it, and this is I didn't want to get this well, you know, Mark and I are in the building, so we see stuff sort of thing. But there's some stuff there's sometimes that we see things and we know we can't opine on them. It's like, oh, man, it, like you want to say. So there's a lot of stuff sometimes building up. And I think uh, the, the Jenga peg got pulled out with that whole thing yesterday. <laughs> uh, and it, it's what it, and because people ask that, well, why did you get so upset about that? I said, no, it really wasn't that. But it's like you play the game Jenga, right? And you pull out the you know, one peg, one peg, one peg, and the whole thing stands up. And then you pull out that final peg, the whole thing crashes. Mm-hmm. And that was that was kind of the way I felt yesterday, um, and you know, moving on, off season over, move on to training camp, and let's get ready for this twenty twenty one season. Yeah, you know, I think it would be interesting to hear some of the guys, and and maybe they've done it. I've just missed it, so I'll give them the benefit of a doubt. But being former members of the union, how this yeah. thing plays this off season, because uh-huh. the union used COVID, and I get it because look, you have concerns. You have a lot of guys who are not vaxxed and, totally. and concerned. And I get it. And some guys who are vaxxed might be concerned. And you want to be sensitive to that. There's no question. When this whole thing began, this offseason program, mm-hmm. it looked different pandemic-wise than things look now, right? right? So you have to take all that into consideration. When they met and put the program together, they took all of that into consideration and they came up with what they did. All right. Yeah. So here they are. Any other thoughts on J. Joe? Because I thought that was a big. Uh, it wasn't well, a was bomb today, you. but it was a big. It was a big bit of news. I thought, and it sent me right to my keyboard, Johnny. I mean, I did just you had know? to jump. Did you that? know it was coming? No, I did not know it was coming, but I figured it was coming at some point because look, we all know what happened last year. Titans, and then he got released. Right, then he ends up with the Cardinals. Right, right. right. And look, I mean, how much longer can you go? And I always thought with J. Joe, uh, the, the thing was he played through injury. Often, right? Yes. He'd yes. be on the injury report, and you'd think, eh, you know, usually he'd have situations where usually guys might not play, and then all of a sudden he shows up and plays. And very often you'd have, um, well, very often you do have players who go out and they're questionable to return within the context of a given game. I mean, that's almost 99% you're not coming back if you're questionable to return. Right, he's right. done it at least twice as a Texan, where it's, he's questionable to come back, and all of a sudden he's back, and that's yeah. J. Joe. And He's so tough. He's so durable. And that's why he's able to play more games than anybody else in Texans history, despite the fact that he spent his first five seasons in Cincinnati and then last season with two other teams. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's impressive stuff. And remember, he didn't eat a salad for a long time. I mean, it's not like he's Aaron Glenn. You know, and speaking of Aaron Glenn, one of the great memories I have is joint practices with the Saints at NRG Park. And Aaron and J. Joe talking, and I said, let me get a picture of you two guys. And I said, you know what? Forget about that. I'm getting in the middle here. I I am making this about me and my memories, doing what I do for the Texans because, hey, I might not get this opportunity. J. Joe is the player, A.G. as the O.G., and now an assistant coach with the Saints. Now he's with Detroit as the defensive coordinator. But I love both of those guys so much, and I've done shows with both of them, and it's just great to see J. Joe Wrap it up, and I'm eager to see what he does next with his life. Well, we know all the the great plays that Jonathan made. And and like I said, Texans 360 Saturday night, I'll break down the pick six against Buffalo, which it was so it was so interesting to, to go in the locker mm-hmm. room with him and talk with him. I think he was our player of the game, and I asked him about that play, obviously. And he said in the huddle, he had told Tyron, he said, if he throws that thing again, I'm taking it to the house. 
and, and Peterman threw it again. But one one situation that particular year that I don't think anybody will remember, but to me it kind of tells you everything about J. Joe. We had gone to Philadelphia, and late in the year, and, and a lot of people remember that game, and it was it was unbelievable football game. Right. And we had gone down two touchdowns, and at some point in the third quarter, J. Joe had gone out of the game. And we are already banged up. Kareem, I think, had come out of that game. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the free agent corners who played like six plays that year had, had gone out of the game. So we were thin. And we come back. Vincent catches that touchdown. We take the lead. And I'll never forget, we go out for the next series. And J.J. had not been in. He's out on the field. He's tying his shoes to go back in the game. And I'm like, okay, it's winning time. And he's going out there to make sure that he's on the field for that drive. Now, obviously, we know they've kicked the field goal in the game. But I just remember him going out there like he knew it was time and that they were so so banged up. They were up. so banged up. Yep. And he was like, I just I've got to go out there. And I just remember him putting on his shoes. In fact, they may have been helping him put his shoes on as he went out on the field uh for that final drive. And it was I just remember thinking, I want to win this game because that's a story I'll tell forever. I'll still tell it because I think it tells you everything about J. Joe that when his team needed him most. He was always going to step up for them. He was as good a teammate. Uh, he was as good a teammate as he was a player, and he was a damn good player. I just love that he's part of that whole renaissance. Well, it's not yes. a renaissance. It's like the the surge of the Texans franchise in 2011. Yep. And, look, there are a lot of characters who played parts, prominent roles in that surge when you – have Wade Phillips be your defensive coordinator, draft J.J., although the first year Watt wasn't incredibly productive, but he was really good, and then he had unbelievable playoff moments. And all the other guys who contributed to that, I don't want to name them all right now, but J.J. played more games than anybody during that period, and it says a lot about him. And it's not just that. Having offensive players on the Texans Players Show and them talking about – yeah, yes. when I want to know something, I come up to yes. ask Jonathan Joseph about it. Like, wait, yeah. what? He plays yeah. cornerback, you know? Hop yeah. used to talk about it. Yep. Other guys talked about it. Not just football stuff, but life. He's that kind of guy. So, yes, yeah. he can help an organization. We'll see if that's something he wants to do or whatever. I can't remember everything he said about what he wanted to do post-playing career, even though you knew he was getting closer and closer. You played for so many years. But I love that Glenn played for so long in the league. And so did Jonathan. I wish Aaron played here longer, but he's yeah. with the Jets for so long. Then he goes with the Cowboys, a little bit with the Saints, and we know the rest is history. So, yeah, it's it's something I wanted to point out. I tweeted something about it right away. I wrote an article on HoustonTexans.com, a Texas-sized contribution from Jonathan Joseph, and all the numbers are there of what the team, the organization was able to accomplish once he joined. And, again, not all because of him. It's ultimate team game, but – he was a huge part of that stuff. You know, Mark, there's been a lot of uh, lately kind of consternation about open locker room. Yeah. And I always kind of felt like, you know, open locker room, I, I was one of those, and you kind of take it or leave it. I would always go through there to see who would be in there, uh, you know, from our, you know, our player group, from our roster. Yep. And just, you know, is there anybody kind of hanging out that day? You know, DJ Reader would be at his locker sometime. we talk about baseball. You know, we might talk about, um, you know, his kid. I mean, we might talk about that. Jonathan would be in there every single time for the media. Every single time. Like, he was the, he was the go-to. And there would be times when the locker room would be a little bit more crowded. And I remember one time, I think it may have been in 2019 maybe, 
and his son, he, he had posted his son's football video, and it was unbelievable. And so I was asking him about it, and DP was standing there, and the three of us had a conversation just about it, about being a parent, um, you, know, grow, you know, raising kids, and we talked for a good 10, 12 minutes in the locker room. And it was never anything that was going to show up on Texans radio. We were never going to talk about it, um, you know, what we talked about, all that kind of stuff. But it was just he sat and just 10, 12 minutes just chit-chat with us. And I just was like that was – it was something that I didn't take for granted. Like I thought that was as cool as it gets. An NFL player with his pedigree, just nice as he could be, just talking about life, just talking about kids. It was – to me, the epitome of him uh, and, and what he was and how great a person he was. And I hope that he is going to find a way to be with us for a long time. The Texans, in whatever capacity we can have him in, he would be unbelievable. Um, but I know he'll be successful wherever he goes. I mean, he just is uh, he's just incredible. And I, I the only regret I have, Mark, is that uh, you didn't bring me over 2011 when he was uh, first starting with the Texans so I could have canvassed his entire career. But – you got me over soon enough, and uh, and that was really enough to see uh, the greatness of J. Joe for the years I've been here. I mean, some of the numbers. All right, so they were first in defense in 2016. 2015, they were third. Think about that. You're third in defense in 2015, first in 2016. Obviously, you didn't have the offenses really matching up very well yeah. with what the defenses were able to do those years. In 2014, you were number one in takeaways in the National Football League. Uh, that's you know those three years were pretty packed with good defensive performances among the other years we've talked about and 2018 uh, another uh, another good finish defensively okay I know not that doesn't mean every moment was perfect believe me mm-hmm. but uh, that was the nine game winning streak and all that Johnny let's talk college football playoff and whatever else is going on around the NFL next here on Texans Radio. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. Ashley Home Store is proud to call Houston home. Whether you're living in a midtown high-rise or you're moving into your forever home, we have the options you need and the prices you really want. Visit today and find stylish sofas, dining sets, and more, starting as low as $10 per month. Ashley Home Store has financing options made to fit any budget. Start designing your dream home today. We have 12 Houston area locations to serve you. Ashley Home Store. This is home. Proud sponsor of the Houston Texans. The Houston Keep up with the Houston Texans everywhere you go. Download the Texans mobile app. All right, so that Kroger commercial had the secret agent theme song because it was a secret theme. And Johnny, Eddie Penn behind the glass here tonight, as he is so often, I said, you don't recognize that theme song, do you? He said, oh, yeah, I do. I said, well, you're too young. And I guessed he was 30, and he's actually 40. So I said, I don't, I don't know what you're doing, Eddie. You look great. He said he moisturizes. So yeah. that's that's got to be a big exfoliate too, Eddie. Yeah, Eddie probably exfoliates too. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, could see him with a big exfoliating brush. Yeah, of course. Uh, that was the Secret Agent theme, uh, an old TV show. I can't believe that he knew it. Johnny Rivers sang it. I only know this because oh, I worked wow. at like an oldie station in the nineties, <laughs> and I'm 25 years old, so I don't know how that happened. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, by the way, Johnny, our interns are not getting any older. They get younger every year. I yes. sound like Matthew McConaughey right now. I don't mean it in that way. But I got to tell you, so I'm talking to them about I made a reference. I said, 
Oh, I said to Caroline, one of our new interns, she was yeah. staying up, uh, staying in late editing something. I said, thanks for being on that wall for us. She <laughs> said, what, what? what What wall? What do you mean? What, what wall? <laughs> oh, wall? I'm like, I, you know, like a few good men uh, being on that. She's like, no, no, I've never seen it. I don't know. What, I'm like, oh. oh, my gosh. And Mark, then, I and watched then Charles, that the other intern, said, yeah, my parents love that movie. All right, great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm yeah, leaving. Yeah. Leaving. Oh, man, I'll give you one of my, my old moments. This, this is a while back mm-hmm. now. But uh, Fly Like an Eagle. I was, this is when I was working at the bowl <laughs> school. And I was driving uh, some of the dorm students around. Uh-huh. And Fly Like an Eagle came on. And I went, oh, this is such a great song. And I had two, uh, two kids from Korea mm-hmm. in the van with me. And they go, oh, yeah, Space Jam. Oh. I went, what? I was like, no, it's a Steve Miller band. No, 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 Space Jam, Seal. Ooh. And Seal had redone the song. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Fly no. Like an Eagle, Steve Miller. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. fought me on well, it. We fought the entire way back to the school about whose song that actually mm-hmm. was. I had, to, I had to find it. Of course, this is in the, the mid to late 90s. So it wasn't like go to YouTube and find it. They didn't believe me that it wasn't Seal's song and that it was originally in Space Jam. I mean, the, the Space Jam to kids today might as well be what Gone with the Wind was to us. Are you I kidding? Know. It's that old. All right, quickly here. 12-team playoff, Johnny. First four get-bys. Conference champs aren't automatically in. It's the sixth, what is it, the sixth highest-rated conference champs and then six at-large, right? Yes. So the top four get-bys. The other eight play at the higher seed on campus. Then you go to the Bulls. That's seven bowl sites, if my math is right. Correct? Yes. Does Houston have a shot here? Yes. Nice. I absolutely think they've got to. I mean, it's the first thing Fletch says, and it's Mm -hmm. true. This bowl is as well attended as any bowl mm-hmm. imaginable. And ironically, the first year, if, I, if I'm reading this correctly, the first year that this would go into effect, this 12-teamer would go into effect, guess yeah. where the championship game is played? H-Town. That's right. Baby. That's it. NRG Stadium. Well, think about the 23, 23 season. Think about it. You go Orange, Fiesta, Sugar, Rose. Um, you go Atlanta, right? Yep. And, peach. Because, because you have to with the peach. You say Cotton. And then Cotton in Dallas, so you go to uh, Jerry World, and you yep. play one here, and that's yep. it. That's Boom, it, folks. You people up north, keep to yourselves. We got this. <laughs> this is it. This is the college football playoff. That's how it's going to roll, and it's going to be in Houston. One of well, I told anyway. you this, Mark. We, I think I think you and I have been talking about this, mm-hmm. and I said I wanted six or twelve, and the reason I wanted six or twelve is because I wanted teams to have a bye. I wanted right. in a six team or I wanted two teams to have a bye and a 12 team where you got four teams with a bye. Mm-hmm. I wanted teams to be rewarded for being outstanding. Mm-hmm. And you, this, you know, the 12, the 12, you know, and kind of like, Oh boy, but it's a mixture of on campus sites. I think those on campus quarters are going to be, um, outstanding or the, uh, the first round is oh, going to be outstanding. It's going to be phenomenal. That'll, oh, are you I can't kidding? Wait. That and look, I, I think there will be so much interest. Their point is that mid season you still have thirty teams that could make it yes. or whatever the number would be. Absolutely. And there's a lot of interest. I just hope look, we could say, will it ruin the other bulls? I don't know. I think look, it is what it is already, right? So if you have a good bull, if you have an entertaining game, people are gonna watch it. It's yeah. proven. People will watch it. We could complain about, oh, lack of crowd or whatever. whatever. It didn't matter last year because COVID affected everything. So, hey, it all looks normal to me uh, in this context. I'm all for it. Go to 12. 
I would even say sixteen, but I don't want to get. I love teams right getting the buy. I love teams getting the buy, and I love mm-hmm. the fact that Notre Dame can't get one of those first round buys because they're they can't win their conference. I love it. Wait Sorry, a Sean. Minute. I love it. They cannot get one of the top four buys. Oh, Johnny, they'll adjust that. They'll yeah. adjust if the Irish are ranked number one in the country. They got to get a buy. Period. I, I mean, you would think. But not by these rules. Everybody bends over for Notre not, Dame. They, well, they join our conference doing... for 15 minutes, please, no, Notre go- Dame. Well, here's what they're going to do. If that happens, yeah, there might be some some egg on the face of the college football playoff committee at that point. But it might force Notre Dame to go, hey, ACC, can we do this like permanent thing? You know, like mm. no more like uh, you know one night stand things. Let's 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 you know let's put a ring on it. Let's do the Beyonce thing. You know, let's get married. Let's go. <laughs> and then Notre Dame now Notre Dame has an opportunity. This might be what forces them to do it if they're going to do it. I don't think they will, but it could force them to because the language is written. It's got to be the four buys have to be the top four champions, mm. champions, champions, which I find. And the top six, you're not guaranteed. A power five team getting one of those right. Uh, getting one of those spots. I saw a gift today. I, I think that's awesome. I saw a great gift today. Pac twelve watching this format shake out, and it's a guy sweating. I loved it. All right, Johnny, that's it for the show. Tomorrow we'll visit and we'll talk Julio Jones, the AFC South, the rest of it. Texans into the off season, the desert as we call it, before training camp arrives. Jonathan Grenard will be on the show as well. We'll do it all. Thank you, Eddie Penn, for producing. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, John McClain. Have a great day, everyone. Go to the Texans app for all the info on your Texans. Go, Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. 25 years. Huh, that's a quarter century. Or 300 months. Or 9,125 days. Or 175 years to your dog. Now, for something to be around that long, that's impressive. And that's what Chevron with Tecron is. Impressive. Because it delivers unbeatable cleaning power and unbeatable gas mileage. Plus, as always, Tecron is in every grade, every gallon. Chevron with Tecron, celebrating 25 years of clean. Care for your car.